0: Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Kaboom, Sports City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon, they well in tune, bloom like a flower in June, Superman verse and the doom, the clouds loom, so tell a friend it's the Sports City chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. (laughs) (laughs) Connecticut
2: Uh. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in I've been talking for about Four minutes now and I was on mute So Thank you for joining us. I came in and
3: didn't hear
1: anything.
2: I've been talking for like four minutes on mute. So let me start this over. I'd like to thank everybody for joining the show. Mike, thank you for joining us. Uh, wow. Wow. Okay. My first show, I think I'm going dolo no, and I'd have screwed up. But anyway, let me start with paying some bills. Phil, PHI Apparel dot C O, the one stop shop for Philly Sports Apparel, quality merch designed for the great fans of Philly as passionate about their clothing as a sport they grow rooting for. You can get baseball, basketball, football, hockey, soccer, college, and they also have originals. So you baseball fans go out there and get your Bake McBride, your Gary Maddox, your Dutch Dalton, your Tug McGraw jerseys. But you new Philly fans, you can get you some Trey Turner Bryce Harper jerseys. You know, for you hockey fans, go ahead go ahead and get your Lynn Dross, go ahead and, and, and get your Broad Street Bullies jerseys because they got those two sweaters, I should say. Now, i I think I'd like, to, I'd like to pay the bills. Mike, thanks for joining us. I'd like to start, Mike, if you don't mind, by talking about We're going to talk about a lot of people tonight. We're going to talk, talk about Pele. We're going to talk about a lot of legends that have passed that really impacted the sports. But the person I'd like to start talking about is Anthony Johnson, uh, U, former UFC Light heavyweight title contender lost twice to Daniel Cormier, which is ashamed of. Rumble exactly. Who Johnson? People say friend of the show a lot when you talk about someone who comes on a podcast, blog, 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 whatever it is. Anthony Johnson was a friend. He was a friend. He was one of the nicest people you could ever meet. He was a really good young man. Um, He was a really good guy. He used to come on with us long before he was ever anybody and even after he was somebody, he was still calm. Timeless, calls him his little brother. He was just a really good and a great fighter. And somebody that, that's gone way too soon, but I really did want to start with him and talking about him and, and his family and my condolences to his family and his friends and the people that remember him and still think about him especially around this time and to people that didn't know just to know what a great guy he was. It got nothing to do with him being an athlete. It got nothing to do with him being a fighter. It got to do with him being a human being. He's one of the nicest human beings you could ever, 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 ever interact with. And with that, Mike, if you got some topics you want to get to, because I have a lot of stuff I'm going to run through, but if you got anything particular you want to talk about, man, go ahead.
3: No, I just don't rumble. Like I I I like what your your point that you just made there was like it's a pleasure to watch fight. You knew that he left it all out there, uh, every time he fought, like even in the few fights that that he was out of class, which didn't happen very often. Uh he, listen, if he got beat it wasn't because of lack of effort, uh, or dedication to his craft. But to your point, uh, you know, when it comes to things like this it has nothing to do With with his fighting It's just the It's it's more about the man and the person So your heart goes out to him and his family uh, Anybody closely Associated with him uh, Well outside the octagon Or or, or that Or Outside of the arena of any kind Right and so It just you know like you said We lost a lot of people this year Man and, and the one thing that I'll Say is let's just always remember, like, tomorrow's never promised. It sounds like an expression, but when you see things like this happen, it's true, so, you know, uh, people could say it sounds corny all they want to, I don't care, man, but you you remind your people, your family, your, your loved ones, even your your friends that are like family, man, make sure you remind people how you feel about them and you care about them, because you just never know when the last time is, right? And so, um, you know, it sometimes makes me think, like, Um, If it's something seriously wrong, then you got to hold on to it fine. But, like, uh, if, you know, petty grudges, things like that, we got to let those kinds of things go, right, because life's too short. So just remember your people, man. Let people know how you think about them. And, like, it, it, it reminds me sometimes to think about, you know, even when I get ready to end the conversation. Uh, sometimes over the last couple of years, I've reminded myself, like, this is the last time I speak to them. Is this the way I want them to remember me or is this the way I want to remember that or whatever? So, uh, like I said, there, there are a lot of things that are, that are bigger than sports. But that being said, we've got a lot of sports things to get to tonight. So I'm going to let you set up the next topic, and, and I'm sure that uh, I'll bring up a few along the way. But
1: I'm going to
3: back to you. You're running
2: the point tonight, my friend. All right, so what what I wanted to talk about initially was some of the people that we lost, and because of their impact, not just on their sport, but on us, there are names. See, what I've always called people that are legends, you just say their name, and people who have who have no interest in that particular sport, be like, oh, I know who that is. That person played, he played that sport, didn't they? You're like, yeah, yeah, they did. They transcended their sport. They impacted lives across this world, not just in a country, not just in a state, not just in a particular field. And I wanted to talk about some of those people tonight. One of them, first one I'm going to talk about because we just literally passed today, is Pele. Us Americans say Pele. It's Pele. This this man. Listen, um, he is single handedly responsible. The soccer in the United States. He is the reason MLS exists. He is the reason that they have these soccer academies in the United States. He is the reason that in the '70s, when I was a child, (laughs) kids was kicking a soccer ball. All right. He's the reason. You know, he he came here in the mid '70s to the NASL, which was North American Soccer League. at that time, soccer really was a European sport. America had no interest in it. He came here. They paid him $1.4 million, which at that time was oogle-gobs of money. All right. That was, I would say that's similar to the Aaron Judge contract. You told about $1.4 million in the 70s, like $300 million now. Trust me on that. I'm old enough to remember. This was before they had the gas tax. This was before. You had people, they, you had people lined up for days at a gas station, all right? When gas was like fifty cents a gallon, all right? So one point four million took you a long way. They wanted him so badly that they gave him a series of contracts so that he wouldn't have to pay taxes on the one point four million. They, he even had a recording contract with Warner Brothers as an artist. This man did not sing. Let's be clear on that. Right? They, they signed him to all these different contracts so they could justify this money so he wouldn't have to be taxed on we get as much money as possible. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be interested in soccer, I'll be honest. Him, Franz Beckenbauer, Giorgio Canaglia, those names still take me back to watching on Channel 5 in New York and watching the Cosmos. And not knowing the dog won't think about soccer. And I still don't understand all sides of stock, soccer. Still don't understand it. But I like watching. And they won. He brought the world's game to America and took it to another level. And it's, it's just, you know, as somebody that's old enough to remember him. Oh, and by the way, he was past his prime when he came in. But for us, he was a god. All right? He was considered past his prime for European football. But for American soccer, man, listen. You couldn't touch him. That bicycle kick that everybody wants to try that don't even play soccer wanna get they try a bicycle kick and then you hurt your back and you're laying there, your head's hurting, your back is hurting, you don't embarrass yourself, that's Pele. He did that. So, um, Mike, I don't even know if you even <laughs> into soccer like that, but any thoughts? <laughs>
3: Yeah, man. So one of the terms that I think gets overused by this generation, the the acronym GOAT, or people say, you know, that's GOATed, whatever, right? Like, uh, when I think of soccer, and I know there's been others come along since, you know, with more advanced training methods and whatever else that you can make an argument for. But when I... So... It, it, you, you just kind of said it There are certain names And to me There are certain athletes that have one name When people say Tiger We know who we're talking about Right When people say MJ When people say Wilt When people say Kobe When people say uh, I mean Joe Montana Joe Cool Montana We know who it is Right There are certain guys Moss Everybody knows You're talking about Randy Moss Now there might be some other ones But everybody knows you talking about Randy Moss Right Um Bonds. You don't even need the first name. I mean, his father was good too, but we're talking about Barry Bonds. There, there are certain people that were were famous enough that one name, one part of their name, does it. You know, Pele is is that guy. He uh, he sort of transcended that. Magic is another example. Kareem, but Pele Pele is kind of to me the original goat of the sport of soccer, right? Like it's parallel to me. And then the other thing that really jumps out to me when I think about him, once again, another uh, term that gets um, overused at times, but it really, really uh, hits home when it comes to him. And that is pioneer, right? Because you're right. He brought the game here when people didn't really care. Um, he's the reason why people care, but he's the reason why we have the expression soccer mom and you got people piling in the you know, minivans, take your kids to soccer practice and whatever. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so so all that is because of him. So pioneer, go, rest in peace. And man, listen, um, I, I was talking to, this uh, back in the summer, this happened with my kid. Uh, somebody that he really follows, like on a gaming site, passed away uh, due to cancer uh, a while back. And um, he said, cancer sucks. And then I told him, I said, you know, he's 11. I said, I, I, you know, you could say whatever you want to with your friends when I'm not around, but when dad's around, like, you don't use the F word, right? But if you're using it before the word cancer, I'll let you get away with it. Um, So, because, uh, you know, that's how I feel about it, too. It it robbed me and my mom at a young age when I was five. I mean, fortunate to say they lived a a long life and was able to really be appreciated. I think, you know, a lot of the world uh, gave him flowers while he was alive, but pioneering a goat for sure.
2: Yeah, thanks, Mike, and you know what, man, That, that that's, you know what, <laughs> um, I'm, I don't have kids, but it's always nice when to hear somebody that has children be able to take something really related and use it and, and raising their kid and helping their kid understand that, that life ain't fair, life ain't fun all the time, life sucks sometimes, and that's okay, because this is what we have to realize and deal with. The, uh, the next person though I want to bring up is Franco Harris. Again, I'm old, right? Every single person that watches football, that's on football, plays football, should be thanking Franco Harris. Without Franco Harris and the Immaculate Reception, football, the NFL is right now, the TV monstrosity it is right now would not exist. That game, that catch, made people say, oh, I want to watch that. I want to see one of those again. It allowed the NFL to go to these networks and say, "Um, yeah, you got to give us more money. It allowed players like Deshaun Watson, terrible as he is, to make 230 guaranteed million. dollars. Okay. It allowed Patrick Mahomes to make a quarter of a – I'm sorry – is almost half a billion, not a quarter, almost half a billion dollars I'm about to shortchange sure that man. It allowed the sites like FanDuel, BetMGM, all of these sites, Yahoo Sports, Daily Fantasy. Fantasy football would not exist were it not for Franco Harris. And with all of that, the greatest thing about him again is <laughs> who he was as a human being. I don't know anybody and I know people who've met a lot of famous people. I don't know anyone who ever met Franklin Harris that did not walk away and say, wow, what a great guy. Not, oh, man, he signed my ball. He signed my shirt. He's kind of a jerk. It was, oh, my God, he was such a nice person. And he spoke to me and he talked to me. You know, it wasn't that, hey, thanks for coming. Get out of my face. He, he talked to me. He, he acknowledged me That's who he was He wasn't Player he was More than that he, again he transcended His sport he Single-handedly in One play Took the NFL from Yeah it was a nice sport You know yeah it's okay To oh my god we have To watch every Sunday And that was the behemoth that That it is now And now you can lay all of that at his feet. People talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers teams and da da da. That play, that play, is the foundation upon everything that NFL is is built upon. Uh, Mike, what do you got?
1: I'm gonna give you another
3: under overused term for Franco Harris, but I think once again it fits. He is truly an icon, right? Like uh, when I think about. Franco Harris. I think about those Steelers teams, but I even think about like I remember being at home like on spring break and over the summer as a kid, like in the '80s. Because I'm not quite as old as Chandler, no, <laughs> uh, no, uh, but if you remember back in those days, you used to have uh, game shows on uh, USA. Uh, And I remember Franco Harris doing like Hollywood Squares And some of that And so I would say that uh, I would say that In a a lot of ways Like You know people always called Baseball America's pastime Um, And and it is Um, But football has become America's passion And and like you said, that immaculate reception is like the watershed moment. So rest in peace, Franco Harris.
2: And the next one we're going to go to, and, and we'll get into some of the other sports, but I think it's important sometimes when we recognize those that are lost that really impacted our sports fandom, whether we realize it or not, help shape who we are based on some of the people that we rooted for. You know, Joe B. Hall. Passed away this year People say who the hell is Joby Hall Well Joby Hall was a basketball coach At the University of Kentucky Now he followed Adolph Rupp Who was a racist And that's the nicest thing I'm going to say about Adolph Rupp Because he was a racist Joby Hall was not Joby Hall Followed somebody who was terrible And made the University of Kentucky A welcoming place for black athletes he made it a place where you could you could he made it so that you could root as somebody who looks like me as a black man you could root for University of Kentucky and trust me that wasn't happening when Adolf Rupp was there he impacted college basketball on many 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 levels but one of the biggest things he did is that he made he made it okay that when you looked at some of these teams these southern teams and you saw black players, white players, you just saw basketball players. He didn't make it obvious, he didn't stand out there and beat on his chest and say, Look what I'm doing. He just put the best five out there, whatever that five might be. So I want to just give him a minute, uh, Mike, and, and you, you know, you being a Southern of guy, you probably know way more about Joe B. Hall than I do. Um on, on your thoughts on Joe B. Hall's passing. Mike, you still there? Huh, we might have lost Mike.
3: Yeah, I was talking. Uh, I was talking see. on mute. I up. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I, was, I was I was talking on mute. Uh, I was just, I was just following your lead. Uh, no, nah, no, nah, yeah. To your point, <laughs> like we saw, um, you know, that there's the movie that well documents um, who Adolf Rupp was. Almost said Hitler. Uh, we know who Off Brook was. Um, and and Joe B. Hall is, is definitely a, a a legend as a basketball coach. Helped integrate when uh it wasn't always the most uh it wasn't always the most popular decision with some of the old heads around at the time. Uh but and so you know, he definitely took a lot of flag from it. But he did not care. He put his best five out there. Um He wanted to win, but at the end of the day, um, anybody that you've ever heard tell stories of him or talk about him, uh, Joe B. Hall did right by his his athletes and uh, was, you know, just definitely a – he's the reason why Kentucky basketball – was able to continue to push forward and still be a household name. They may have a few down years from time to time, which they did under uh, Billy Gillespie and, uh, you know, after Tubby blast and even towards the end of Tubby Smith's time there, they had kind of started going down a little bit. But um, Kentucky is a household name. I mean, it is a, it is a basketball blue blood. Right right up there with like North Carolina, Duke, UCLA. Um, and then I guess you still have to consider – you still got to kind of put Indiana, I guess, um, in that group. And then, of course, you got some of the Big East schools that have always kind of been um, in that as well. But you have certain programs um, in each sport that are just the blue blood programs that are always <clears> – <throat> You know household names, or if they come into your to your city to play at your local university, uh, that's going to be a hot ticket because people just want to see them because of the name on the jersey. And I would say that, despite whatever success he might have had there, and despite the fact that the arena is named after him and whatever else, um, it's because of Joe B. Hall that Kentucky still holds. Uh, that kind of status in the sport today.
2: I could not agree with you more. We're going to talk about one more person, and we're going to sprinkle a lot of people over the course of the show. We want to talk about one more person, and we'll, we'll kind of shift to something else. But a name that most people don't know, Louisa May Harris, American professional basketball player. She is one of the pioneers of women's basketball. She played for Delta State University She was born in Mississippi Won three consecutive associations for intercollegiate athletics for women This is the precursor to the NCAA, by the way And she is the first woman ever legitimately drafted By the National Basketball Association First woman You never hear her name She is a pioneer in women's basketball She's a pioneer in women's sports She's a pioneer in sports She was born in 1955 in Mississippi Imagine how hard it was to be a black woman playing basketball in Mississippi during that time period. And she, oh, by the way, she was also a silver medalist in 1976 Olympics, which was the first time that the women's basketball was a tournament in the Olympics. Okay? This is what this woman did. Her name doesn't get mentioned enough, um, and I felt that it should be mentioned because she did so much but, again, not just sports, but women's sports. She was, the, you know, we talk about pioneers, and, and it's a lot of terms get thrown around like pioneer, and as Mike said, pioneer, goat, all sorts of stuff. Pioneer, Louisa May Harris is a pioneer. Mike, I don't even know if you even had heard, or, heard uh, of her no, or not, no, no. any thoughts.
3: No, yeah, so I grew up in Louisiana and Mississippi. My father's from Mississippi. Uh, lived down there for a long time. I knew who she was, even when I was a kid, knew the legend of her knew that when she uh, first went to the Olympic training camp, the way they were making them run, she wanted to quit. <laughs> uh but but she stayed with it. She was like, I don't need to do all this run Uh but she she stuck it out and was uh I mean, she listen, uh when we think about when we think about best centers are big Uh, I can't say big women Like you would say big man when it comes to sports I know know. So (laughs) uh, we think about post players And and women's basketball Like you hear people talk About people like Cynthia Fowles And uh, and, and Brittany Griner I'm glad she's free And 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 Lisa Leslie who was so Good for the Sparks right I'm going to tell you right now um, I don't Believe that any of those three women could have been fit to base Lucy M. Harris's shoes. Uh, born in a different time, born in a different time, um, she would have been uh, considered maybe the greatest to ever do it uh, at the center position. Uh, but yeah, man, she uh grew up in a small town in Mississippi. Uh Delta State is still a university down there. They are uh, an NAI school. Um, still have, you know, still have teams. They've been uh you know, they've had some success in football, a little bit in basketball here and there. But um she is hands down the greatest athlete to come out of that state and you could still uh argue uh, the best female athlete to ever come out of Mississippi, maybe even the South,
2: wow, now that's saying a lot because you you know the South y'all put out some y'all put out some thoroughbreds but and see, I learned something see this is the beauty of having people from different places doing shows everybody don 't have to be from the same place to talk about the same thing because I just learned something about her i didn't know, and I had heard her name, but Until I really did some research, I didn't know, you know, really what she had done. I just knew she was, you know, sort of one of the, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Four women. I can only say four fathers. (laughs) But, you know, the precursors of what women's basketball is now. But I didn't know all the things she had done until I was like, oh, my goodness, she did. She did. She did. She did. What? Man, Listen. Um, we lost some legends this year, and like I said, we'll talk about some more of them. But Mike, I know football is is one of your passions, so being as there's, there's a game tonight, which honestly shouldn't really be a game, but it probably will be. But anything in the NFL you want to jump into?
3: Yeah, so I want to hit I want to hit a couple of things. Uh, let, let's go out to the AFC West for just a minute. Um, there are two issues there, and I'm gonna kind of hit them both real quick, give you a chance to give thoughts because I am going to have to cut out on you a little bit early tonight uh got some things going on uh wrapping up the holidays and whatnot but uh let's start with denver uh Denver is you know everybody said going into this it going into the season that they were a quarterback away, so then they get Russell Wilson and well, they steal something away. I don't know what all it is. Uh, a coach away right now. Uh, but I think that the Hackett hire was a bad hire. Uh, and I think that, you know, they played the Rams this past weekend, who if it wasn't for Denver, let's be quite clear, the Rams would be the most disappointing story in football this year, coming off a world title and, and struggling the way they've struggled this season. So this past weekend, you had the Disappointment Bowl, and the the Rams just blew them out of the Like, was it 52 to 51 to 14 or something ridiculous? And so I think Denver management decided they had enough. Um, I, I, can, I, I, I agree with the decision to let the man go, but I think it was a, I think it was a, a, like I said, a bad fit in the first place. But I was surprised, I was surprised to hear uh, Russell Wilson come out yesterday and speak uh, passionately about this man and say that, you know, it's kind of it felt like it was kind of partly his fault, his blame whatever, that things turned out the way that they did and and all the things that he said in regards to to him. But I I just, um, you know, I, I think it was definitely time to move on. I think it was uh, – I don't know what they're going to do, but I also don't think that this is as attractive a job as some people might might think it is. But so Denver turning the page there. Uh, let's, let me get your thoughts there, Chandler, and then I'll hit my second one for you. And if you're talking, you're on mute.
2: Crap. Man, hey, listen, man, I'm going to get, I'm gonna have to learn how to use my mute button because uh, apparently I'm not good at it. <laughs> I actually do think this is an attractive job because they have a lot of talent there. My issue with the entire thing with Russ is this ain't about football. It's personal. It's personal because people don't like him. They don't like the fact that he marries Ciara. They don't like the fact of how he carries himself. For people of a certain demographic, he's not black enough. Blackness isn't a monolith, by the way. Russell Wilson is the same person today that he was at North Carolina State, that he was at Wisconsin, that he was at Seattle. People say, oh, but people don't like him. Last I checked, I ain't got to like you to play with you, Russell Wilson has had one bad season in 10 years. Russell Wilson is the only, before this season, was the only quarterback in NFL history to have 300 touchdowns and 100 or less interceptions. The only quarterback in NFL history to do that. And he's had one bad season, and this season was horrible. Okay? It's horrible. Hold on a second because my dog now needs my attention. Give me one second here. Sorry about that. When you got a rescue, if you have a right. rescue pet, you know what I'm talking about. When you're not paying them attention, they will come for you. Um.
1: Right.
3: <laughs> 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 right they just like the tax
2: well, not, They're coming for you. Um, I think the majority of all the stuff about Russell, honestly, is personal. And that's my problem with it. If you just want to say, listen, Russell
1: sucked this year,
2: I can go with that. Russell was terrible, absolutely. Oh, people didn't go to his birthday party. And all oh, that. You keep talking about stuff that has nothing to do with football. It doesn't matter. Well, but, but they threw that past. Now it's Oh well he wanted Nathaniel Hackett No they hired Nathaniel Hackett To get Aaron Rodgers And when Aaron Rodgers turned them down Then they traded For Russell Russell Wilson Did did not say I have to have Nathaniel Hackett Nathaniel Hackett was over his skis Period in the story He was over his skis As a head coach when your team loses You say we weren't ready I'm sorry. What? You're the man in charge. You're supposed to. You're the one who's supposed to sit and get them ready. And you said they weren't ready. So what were you doing? I think that this is an attractive job. Now there's two people I think that need to come in there, because Russ has some accountability here. I think Russ Russ needs a slice of humble pie. And I believe that you need to need to pay Sean Payton whatever it is he wants, or. Go get Frank Reich. Frank Reich has dealt with Phillip Rivers. He's dealt with Andrew Luck. He's dealt with Matt Ryan. You name it, he's dealt with them. Those two guys. Don't give me some assistant off of somebody's staff. Don't bring in no Mike McDaniels. Bring in somebody that's going to walk in there and say to Russ, Russ, you stink right now. This is how you get better. And Russ is going to be like, you know what? I respect you enough to say yeah, I do stink, and I want to get better. But that's the only solution I see. But this this whole thing where it's a terrible job, dude, they have talent. And honestly, if not for Melvin Gordon fumbling multiple times through those first three games, they would have started off 3-0. Who knows how this season goes if they start off 3-0, right? So, Melvin
3: Gordon,
2: you play the part. Go ahead, Mike.
3: If this team had averaged 19 points a game, it would have been 9 more Like, offense is just that bad. But to your point, there is talent on that team for sure. Uh, the the reason why I, I don't think it's an extremely attractive job, <clears throat> there are worse jobs out there. I don't trust the GM there. I don't really trust ownership. I think it's, it, it's kind of dicey. And to me, those are the things you're looking at. And you also gave up a lot. Uh, You gave up a lot in this To to get Russell Wilson So I think you're going to be handicapped a little bit Over the next uh, couple drafts Um, You can win there Uh, You know Sean Payton I think if you were going to Bring an assistant in and I don't think you can do it Because it's Colorado but the only assistant That you could bring in that's really going to have That kind of respect would be a guy like Eric Biennemi right Um, But of course he's been out to Colorado Before so um, you know when I look at, I think this and that is a tough division. Um, but I, I think that uh, you're right. A guy like Frank Wright, they got to bring in the right coach. I expect Russell Wilson to bounce back next year. Um, I expect him, and, and I could be wrong. But you got a guy like Judy. You got a guy like I, I expect him to probably put some time in with those receivers uh, in the off season as well to try to build more chemistry there. And I think you're going to see him bounce back. And to your point, it doesn't matter what people do in their off time. It doesn't matter whether we hang out. There were teammates in in sports that I spent time with outside of the, outside of practice. And there were others that I didn't have anything to do with uh, outside of practice or outside of, of games or whatever. But at the end of the day, when you go compete with them, you got each other's back and, and you compete together, and and what happens off the field um, doesn't matter. As far as what he's decided to do in his personal life, man, listen. If you're not going to bed with either one of them, <laughs> you know what I mean. If you ain't got to, uh, if, if you ain't got to pay the bills and or figure any of that that kind of stuff out, man. Let's not worry about what people do. I feel like, you know, that that's the one. Uh, there's a curse and a blessing with. Uh, with all the social media and all the access that we now have into people's lives. And I think, um, the, the blessing is we feel like we can connect with people a little bit better. The curse is sometimes I think that, uh, we can feel a little bit more entitled or feel like we know more than we actually do in some of
2: those situations. Right. So that's,
3: that's what I got on Denver. Um, my other topic that I wanted to bring up in the AFC West is the Raiders' decision to bench Derek Carr. And, and so I lay a lot of this at the, at, at the feet of Josh McDaniels. Uh, he was not a great head coach the first time when he was in Denver, coincidentally. Uh, and he's still not a good head coach. He may be a good offensive coordinator, but... They have not gotten a lot out of this office. People want to talk about how bad that defense is. This is another team that if they had been able to average seventeen points a game, even they would have been good um i I think that part of it is the system um, but when i when I hear the reason when I, when i just looking at some of the reasoning that that I've read behind this benching, oh we don't want him to be a distraction last year when everything was so out of whack. And you fired your coach because of the racist stuff going on and all the different things that, that went down there. There was one guy that stepped up to the microphone in every week and answered the bell and this and that was Derek Carr. He was the one guy that kind of held things together. Oh, he's not a leader, what? Uh, how do you think they kind of kept things together last year with that with that coaching staff and everything else they had to do? Uh, once again, I think that he would be the first to tell you that his play has not been as good as he would uh, have wanted. We can talk about injuries to some key guys and whatever. We can talk about maybe him locking in too much on one guy at times with this team, and so he could perform better. But I'm going to tell you right now, there are teams in this league I'm looking at you, Washington. I'm looking at both the New York teams. Uh, Right right now, I'm looking at New Orleans. There there are several teams in this league. I'm looking at even Arizona for next season. With with Kyler Murray being out, you know, he he is liable to miss a chunk of next season due to injury. There are a lot of teams that could use the services of Derek Carr as their starting quarterback.
2: I totally agree with you now. I wouldn't want him anywhere near Washington because – I keep hearing Ron Rivera is a great coach. Ron Rivera had three, has had three winning seasons in 12. I mean, she's had nine losing seasons. The reason his winning percentage is over 500 is because his three winning seasons were Ugo Gob winning, like 11, 12, 13 wins. This dude had prime Cam Newton. He had three winning seasons in Carolina, and he had alpha prime Cam Newton. So Washington, no. Um, I would like to see Derek Carr with Brian Daybo. I don't want him near uh, 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 Salah because I don't trust the New York Jets offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know if I trust Dennis Allen in New Orleans, but he's going to go somewhere. And, And to speak to Josh McDaniels, this is Josh McDaniels trying to be Bill Belichick once again. Josh McDaniels drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. Josh McDaniels is starting Jarrett Stidham. And he's saying that Jarrett Stidham is a young player. Jarrett Stidham has been in the league for four years. We've seen Jarrett Stidham as a starter. Josh McDaniels thinks he's Bill Belichick reincarnated. He does. He thinks he's Bill Belichick reincarnated. You took a team. That gave everything they had all the time, in spite of the fact that they had a clown like Gruden as their coach. And you literally watch guys quit this season. You watch guys quit. Waller, Jacobs, um, Renfro—they quit because of the coach. Quarterbacks. Let's talk about, Let's start talking about coaches. Because who's he replacing Derek Carr with? It's not like you are going to have, have a high draft choice, and it's not like Josh McDaniels has proven he can develop a quarterback. So who they replacing Tom Brady. Who they replacing Derek? Listen, <laughs> right, Tom Brady. Had, but he's good. Yeah, but, yeah, but see, that's the, that's the like the David develop, Cutcliffe nonsense. That's my point. He had
3: a he had a power exactly. power,
2: Right. It's it's, it's um. Daniel Jones got drafted because David Cutcliffe once coached uh, Peyton Manning. That's why Daniel Jones got drafted. Because David Cutcliffe, who was the coach of Duke, who's no longer the coach of Duke, by the way, because he was a terrible coach, coached Peyton Manning. He coached so he drafted men. Daniel Jones. Coached,
3: that's why Ole Miss hired him for, uh, for Eli, because he coached Eli at Ole Miss as right. well. So he, he coached both men. That's your claim to fame? Yeah.
2: Happened to be a Texan? Right. somebody That was already great? I'm <laughs> yeah, like okay. So so this 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 fallacy of Josh McDaniels being his great offensive mind. You miss me with all of that. Miss me with that. Josh McDaniels has been exposed as a bad coach. Period in the story. The the Las Vegas Raiders. Where are you going next? Who's going who's going to quarterback your team? There's no quarterbacks on the market. Now, unless Aaron Rodgers plans on going to Las Vegas, oh, and by the way, I give him three games before he punches McDaniel in the face, okay?
3: Maybe I Jimmy give him three
2: Garoppolo. games. Yeah, because Jimmy Garoppolo's better than Derek Carr. Jimmy Garoppolo it walks down the street and gets injured. The wind blows. Oh, my God. the right. just went out. Right. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> The Raiders, um, um, uh, Mark Davis deserves every bad thing that's about to come his way. Because if it wasn't for Derek Carr last season, everybody would have been asking Mark Davis, what the hell were you thinking of giving this man 10 years? Derek Carr literally saved that franchise. And this is what you're going to do? Okay, I got you. Yeah. Um, Jared spit Bro, if you was benching him for, and Baker Mayfield's trash to me, but if you had a Baker Mayfield, somebody who had actually done something in this league, right, and then you say we want to look at young players, you still have a chance to make the playoffs. So basically you're telling me that you're quitting or trying to make the playoffs. Is that what we do now? We're still mathematically alive, but the hell with the season. Okay. Go ahead, Josh McDaniels. Go ahead, Bill Jr.,
3: You mentioned Sean Payton earlier. Um, you know, Denver's a possibility, uh, the Raiders, if they were him off. I'm hearing rumors, and once again, um, it's just rumors, right? So I'm not necessarily buying into it. But I have heard rumors that there's talk that he may come back to New Orleans in 2030. Um, so that would be interesting to see. Uh, listen, I would take him because I don't trust Dennis Allen. Um, and and that's about the only way that you could get Dennis Allen to shift back to a defensive coordinator. He's a good defensive coordinator. I just don't trust him as a head coach.
2: Right. Right. And and honestly, listen, Jameis thought of you with a broken back. A broken back doesn't heal during the season. But dude, Andy Dalton, seriously? Seriously. That's just your go-to Dennis. Andy Dalton. You could have got Baker Mayfield. You could have got somebody up in that piece. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. I can't. I can see Peyton going back because ownership says, "Listen, man, just finish out your contract. Just get us a winning season again, and we'll let you go. We won't even ask for compensation." Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see where Peyton goes because you're gonna have to give up. You have to give up pretty much your whole draft in order to get Sean Payton.
3: Yeah, and, and I think that you, you think about it, though, Andy Dalton was brought in to be a backup. Uh, he was brought in to back up Jameis. Then Jameis gets hurt early in the season, and I guess they, start, they just weren't impressed with other things that they were seeing from him. So, because the, the word has been that he was supposed to be back, but like you said, you don't heal, heal from a broken back uh, during the season. So, um, you know, I, I'm not uh, – I feel bad for Jameis man because, you know, these last couple of years were his chance to really kind of, you know, write his redemption, right after that thirty thirty year in uh, in Tampa. Because people talking about the thirty interceptions all they want to, but thirty touchdowns and five thousand plus yards passing, like so you know there's talent there, and so you know that, that's a guy that I really thought uh, might be close, you know, might be a was still young enough that that he could really kind of recover things, and maybe, you know, m- maybe next year we'll see, you know, what happens there. Uh, but James is a guy that you always kind of, or at least me, you always kind of root for and want to see him uh, succeed because you know that you know that there's talent. Uh, not only can he throw the ball, uh, but he's you know he's pretty athletic, can run a little bit too, pick up some yards with his legs, so. You know, I hate to see it it's been it's been a tough season in New Orleans this year, man. Uh and it, uh, once again, that's another team that I missed hard on as far as uh what they were going to turn out to be. But you know, uh we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see kind of uh how it plans out. I I feel like that I feel like either way, I don't think Sean Payton's going to be out of football much longer. I I can see how like after Breeze and after the covid thing and whatever else you know, he had been in that spot for so long. I could see how maybe you felt like you needed a a little bit of fresh air. And Sometimes you need to step away from something to see how much you miss it or how important it is to you. And maybe that's kind of the case here, too. So uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I will say this, regardless of, of what happens, uh, people can say what they want to about the organization, but – you know, I think the Saints showed a lot of respect for him once he decided to hang it up and didn't really, you know, uh, didn't really hold him hostage on that. He wanted to take this year off. Uh, but I, I think they showed respect for him on the way out and really showed appreciation for his time and everything he did there. Because let's be quite clear, um, Sean Payton's the best coach the Saints have ever had. Uh, and he get, led that franchise to the longest string of success that they've ever had, and it's not even close, right? You can put all the other coaches together in the history of that franchise, and you're probably not going to have as many wins as what Sean Payton was able to put together in New Orleans.
2: I would agree with that, because I, I think second place, and second place is way, way back, is more. That's it.
3: He got, <laughs> he got laughed about three times. <laughs> right. It's a mile. All race, right, Mike. So Moore is barely getting Moore is barely getting out the block, and they already are, like ringing the bell for the last lap. so i That's, that's, the, that's yeah. the job.
2: Yeah. I mean, hell, uh, Bum Phillips probably is 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 more revered there than um, than Jim Mora, honestly, because you know he had Earl Camp.
3: Playoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: All right, Mike, what else you got?
3: Um, so I, I I will say this. I think it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, we've got a lot of things happening in the NFL over the next couple of weeks, a lot to be decided as far as playoffs go. But just as a kind of a recap, uh, Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, Kansas City Chiefs, and Buffalo Bills have all clinched Playoff spots in the AFC, uh, and then the winner of the AFC South. So that's going to be five of your seven. And don't look now, but after losing five straight and after starting seven and three, now they're seven and eight. Uh, the Tennessee Titans could lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars in that division. You and I both told people going into this year uh, that that team could cause some problems. So those are your,
1: uh, your other
3: your other two wild cards with the Dolphins and a couple. Of, Uh, A couple other teams still kind of pushing through. Oh, the Chargers have clinched too. So that's a team that's already clinched. So there's only one more playoff spot um, up for grabs in the AFC. Uh, But the last thing I want to mention right now is Tua in Miami, another concussion. Listen, Dolphins fans, I don't care how bad you want to see this man on the field. He's already in concussion protocol Again, uh, the guy may have to retire, but I definitely don't think that there's any way that he should be back on the field again this season. Uh, Cause at the end of the day, it, this man only 24 years old. You know, he's a father. He's a husband. He's got family. He's got uh, things beyond football. And if you're not careful, um, he's going to be the next poster child for traumatic brain injuries. So, um, Listen, I don't, I don't care what, how bad you want to win, I don't care how much you want the playoffs, um, do the right thing by Tua. Uh, they put him back on the field again. This uh, Miami Dolphins franchise once again showing this ineptness and is probably about to get hit with another steep fine again. And this time, especially with it being a repeat thing, they're going
2: to get hit even harder. You know. <sighs> the only reason I want to see him on the field again this year is so that he can get a contract next year. That's it. That's it. I need him to get that second contract where he get that about a hundred million dollars guaranteed so he can set his family up because I agree with you. I don't see him lasting another three years as somebody with double digit concussions. I know how easy it is to start getting them one after the other, after the other, after the other. I mean, I honestly, at this point now in my life, if I'm in a car and I just lean my head too hard against the window as as I'm sitting in the passenger seat because I don't drive anymore, um, I could concuss myself. It's that easy. I just want to see him get on the field so that they can give him a contract for next season. That's it. It's not about him playing. It's not about them winning. I just need him to get paid so he can set his family up and hopefully – then when he steps away, he has a cushion. Um, that's it. But, yeah, I agree with you, man. But it, the reality of it is is he should not play again this season. Unfortunately, he will. We both know that. He's going to play again this season. He's going to play because money is involved. He's trying to set his family up. Um, the competitor in himself, oh, I can play. I want to win. I'm invulnerable. I'm invincible. Bruh, no, you're not. No, you're not. You got kids. Don't you Won't you actually want to be there for your kids to grow up?
1: But it's a
2: tough situation, man, because I can understand why he wanted to get back on the field, and as a part of me agrees with him getting back on the field simply because of that. But the human being says, dude, you need to stop because it's just going to get worse from here. I want to switch
3: sports in my last couple of minutes, um, unless you got something else football related. But before I duck out of here, I want no, to hit a few things in baseball real quick, and I'm going to just try to fly through these few things and we can kind of go back and forth on them. Um, first of all, I'm going to start with my favorite team just because um, – you know the the Atlanta. I hate Braves you so much right now. Time. I swear to God, but I hate you Atlanta, so much. The, <laughs> the Atlanta Braves doubled down after the Sean Murphy trade, uh, they went ahead and <laughs> locked him up long term. So now you got him for the next. Uh, now you got him for the next like five, six seasons with a club option. So uh, listen, uh, and, and they got him at good value too. Like you got six years, yeah. basically. Two, you're basically twelve and a half mil per year with a with a club option for fifteen million dollars in the next year. And this and this guy is probably one of the top three catchers in the game. If if he can be stay healthy. So uh good on them and, and once again, the the Braves are continuing to lock up talent before they hit free agency. And now you got a catcher, a first baseman, a second baseman, a third baseman, and at least one outfielder. Two outfielders, not bad. Acuna and Harris, and now you got Strider locked up. So, these, this this team is continuing to lock up talent uh, before they ever hit free agency, and that's why they didn't give Dansby that kind of really big money. That's why you didn't see him go after a really big free agent because it go it would go against the philosophy of this organization. If this team goes out and drops thirty million dollars on a free agent, then the system that they're doing right now is gonna start failing to work because then players are gonna start holding out for free agency. But now they know, okay, if I come up and I do the work and I impress enough, I'm gonna get locked up and I'm not gonna to have to deal with major league minimums. I can get twelve million a year, eight, nine, ten million a year instead of half a million. Um, and I mean it's really kind of forward thinking and they're not going to get stuck under these contracts. So uh, I want to hit that. I want to hit the uh, Rangers. They went and got Evaldi to go along with DeGrom, and they got – who was the other pitcher they got earlier in the offseason? Haney. um,
2: Haney. Yeah,
3: yeah, Andrew Haney. The Rangers are trying, man. They're really trying to to compete. And if that pitching can stay healthy with with the bats that they have, uh, they could be heard from in the American League West coming up this season. Uh, So a little bit impressed with that. And then Carlos Correa, man. Like, listen, everybody said – we have a group thing, the Sports City Chefs, where we we chat things out. You know, Barry says in the group thing, as soon as the thing fell through, he said, the Giants are stupid. I'm like, okay, but you don't know yet. Like, we don't know what the story is. We don't know the why. And then now looks like things are kind of falling through with the Mets. Maybe they're going to renegotiate. Who knows? But um, are we willing to call the Mets stupid too? I'll, what I can say is this. You paying this man, you talking about a potentially 13-year contract with $25 million per year or something crazy like that. Like you're paying the man to be on the field. Um, this is not monopoly money we're throwing around. So I can understand why some of these teams are hesitant. I hope things work out for Carlos Correa. Maybe him, they can get it done with the Mets. But I hope he doesn't end up in the same situation that he did last year, signing another proven deal with some opt-outs in March. Uh, Whatever. I mean, he's, he's been a good player for a while in this game. But we also know he there have been very few years where he's played 150 games. So um, that's going to – that's sort of has an interesting dynamic to it, so we'll see how that uh, ends up shaking out. So those are the three things uh, that come to mind right now for me when it comes to baseball. Before I duck out of here, Chandler, you got any comments on that or any other topics you want to hear me? Uh, you want to hear my comments on?
2: Yeah, Alex Anthopoulos is a freaking wizard. I hate him. I hate him, okay? I saw that number <laughs> on that contract, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm going to Atlanta, you and I'm kneecapping this dude, right? Um, unbelievable what the Braves are doing It is it's, He's a wizard He's a wizard um, The Correa thing is interesting simply because As somebody who's blown both of my Achilles and Had them both surgically repaired I have uh, Calcification, arthritis In my ankles or something In order for them to fix that I have to re-break my dog on ankles um, So as I'm getting older It's getting harder to walk downstairs This and this and that So being that he broke his ankle I'm guessing this is what they're seeing. Yes, there is going to be some issues down the line. Talking he's 28. You're talking about seven years from now. Seriously? Seriously. And here's the thing. The games he's been missing has been because of his back. And you're talking about his injury when he was 19 and he's 28. It's ridiculous to me. Um, who was the other one you said? Who's the other one you said? Oh, the I Rangers. let talk about the
3: Rangers.
2: This pitching staff looks a lot like the San Francisco Giants pitching staff that won Bruce Bolcher World Series. Looks very similar. Very similar. You got the junk baller in Haney like you had the junk baller in Quato. You know? You just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Managing matters, coaching matters. I like what the Rangers did. So for all you MET fans talking about taking the ground too much, the Rangers don't be surprised if the Rangers make it to the ALCS.
1: Mike, you still
3: there? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. I'm about to get out of yep, town so as a quick, rem- uh, quick reminder, uh, Mr. Knight and I are going to be doing a show every Thursday night, 9 Eastern. We'll be back with you next Thursday, but uh, shout out to you, Chandler, man. It's always a-, a pleasure to share time and space with you, uh, and then uh, check out the barbershop and Clubhouse. Check out SportsCityChefs.com, all the blogs, all the different things we got going on there. We already paid the bill with PHI Apparel. But check them out, dot co, and don't forget use the word code word chefs" at checkout. Give yourself fifteen percent off of all your Philly clothing there, man. But thanks again, Chandler, for having me, bro. And then uh, we will be—we uh, may have some other shows next week, but if not, if not, man, we'll talk. We'll chop it up again uh, next Thursday at nine o'clock Eastern time, my friend.
2: All right, Mike. Enjoy yourself and a happy New Year, bro. All right, man. All right, so my host has left the building, and we are going to, let's see, let's see, what do we want to get into right now? I got some stuff we want to get into. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. This is a really interesting story for me because this started off with Kyrie being Kyrie, being a clown, and then it turned into the NBA trying to exact a pound of flesh for, I'm going to say, not so wholesome. I'm going to say that two things can be true, that Kyrie tweeted about something he shouldn't have tweeted, but that the NBA went way too doggone far when it comes to trying to make a, a point about this. Okay? Okay. And now that after we've criticized everything about them, they got rid of Steve Nash, who never should have had a job. They brought in Jacques Vaughn, who based on his first coaching experience, most people would say, what the hell are you doing? Why him? And they've become a team that is about basketball, which is what Kevin Durant really always wanted to do. He just wants to play basketball. People, people like, like the clown Charles Barkley, and I'm going to call him a clown, because this is a man who never won anything. He didn't win in high school. He didn't win in college. He didn't win in the pros, but constantly talks about what it takes to be a winner. How the hell would you know when you never won anything, Charles? I'm curious. How would you know what it takes to be a winner when you never won? How would you know what it takes to be a leader when you've never been won? When you were in Philly – Dr. J was the leader, and then Moses, Moses Malone was the leader. And when you went to Philly, uh, Kevin Johnson and Dan Marley were the leaders. And when you went to Houston, you quit on them. I ain't forgot about that. But everybody said, oh, KD's not a leader. No, he's not really. He's not a guy that wants to lead. He's not a guy that wants to be a captain. He's not a guy that – KD is that dude – who, if he didn't have the talent he had, he'd be that grinder at the end of the bench. That dude everybody roots for because even though he's not that talented, he's out there to hoop and work hard. That's who Kevin Durant is. Except he's got a God-given ability that makes him transcend pretty much everybody else's ability. So we keep wanting him to be more than what he is. Kevin Durant is not about trying to be in charge. It's not about, look at me. He's not about being a man. He is a guy who just wants to play basketball. It's all he wants to do. All the rest of it, he's not for. I'm not going to criticize you for that because that's who you are, and that's who you've always been. And that shouldn't be a goal. I'm watching the Rangers game, and he just let up a goal that shouldn't have happened. So now that the rest of his team and the organization are all in the same boat with him in a sense of it's just about basketball. Kyrie, shut up. Didn't hire Ime Udoke, which really, after everything that you're going through, now you want to turn around and hire a dude that the boss Celtics just couldn't wait to tell the world that he was sleeping with everybody and their mama? Really? So now that it's just about basketball, we're watching this team win and win. And win, and win, and win. Everybody criticized Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons hasn't played basketball in over a year. Ben Simmons has had back issues since LSU. Okay? He's had had back issues since LSU. He hadn't played in close to two years, actually. And you expected him to come out and be what? All-star version of Ben Simmons? No. Taking him time. Ben Simmons is who he is. He's not a guy who's going to look to shoot. He's not a guy who's going to jack up jump shots. And that's okay. He doesn't have to. They got enough guys who can score. He plays defense. He rebounds. He gets assists. What's wrong with that? Why do you want him to be more than that? To satisfy you? To satisfy your fantasy points? Well, because clowns like Barkley said so. And Kendrick Perkins, the Michelin man. You know, Kendrick Perkins, push away from the table, have a salad and shut up. Wanna hate you wanna hear from you, You were an eighth man on a team that won a championship and you talk like you about that life. You weren't an integral part of that. You were an accessory. They could replace you with Nazi Muhammad and nobody would have noticed. So shut up. But what the Brooklyn Nets are doing shows you that when you listen to your best player who says it needs to just be about basketball, I'm not here for the nonsense. I don't care about any of the other stuff. I just want to hoop. Listen to him. Coach, he can respect. Make it just about basketball. The The Brooklyn Nets are the number three seed in the East right now. They're the number three seed. This is a team that a lot of people were giving up on early in the season. This was a team when Kyrie was suspended and went trade. And I would listen. I'll I'll be honest with you. I thought they should have got rid of Kyrie. I thought they should have cut him. I would have just to get rid of the distraction because I don't, and I honestly still don't believe that Kyrie can go through the rest of the season without pulling a Kyrie stunt. I would like to hope that he will, but given his track record, do any of us ever really believe that? But if he can go through the rest of this season and just play basketball, the Brooklyn Knicks can win the NBA championship. Tell me a team, well, besides Boston, because Boston is just Boston right now. they doing, they doing anything. Tell me a team Honestly, that you think in a seven game series could beat the Nets besides Boston. They proved they can beat Milwaukee. We know they can beat Milwaukee. They came a uh, uh, ingrown toenail away from beating them before. The only team that you would look at and say, I think they can beat them is Boston. There's nobody in the West you're going to say, oh, 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 all right, better. No, there's not. Not when it's just about basketball. So, um, I like what the Nets are doing. I'm glad uh, Jacques Vaughn got another shot. I'm glad that he learned from what happened in Orlando. And I'm glad that the organization finally realized that if you stop trying to win the headlines, stop trying to win the back pages of the New York Post, then you can put a successful product on the court. That's just coming to Lane and Well, Let's talk about the New York Knicks who lost the game when they had a nine-point lead with 33 seconds left. The New York Knicks lost the game when they had a nine-point lead with 33 seconds left. 33 seconds left. Nine-point lead, and they lost. I'm still trying to figure out how that happens because – how do you lose a game when you have a 9-point lead with 33 seconds left? Well, because you're coached by Tom Thibodeau. That's how. Because you're a mediocre team. That's how. Stop telling me about, oh, and, and now that Tom Thibodeau's letting the young guys play. And, uh, yeah, yeah. The Knicks are a seven seed. They're a seven seed. Whenever they play a team that is an actual team that has real real. Ability to contend They lose And they lose in the fourth quarter They lose when they have a lead They lose because they have no concept of winning They lose because they have a head coach Who has no concept of offense They lose because they have a head coach Who's burying people Burying people Okay You want to pull some out of the rotation That's fine You don't bury them on the bench You still give them minutes They're just not consistent or meaningful minutes, but you still give them minutes. He is literally burying people. And then when somebody gets hurt, and then when somebody gets in foul trouble, you still refuse to put them in because that's not how I do things. I'm Tom Thibodeau. I'm sorry, Tom Thibodeau. How many championships you won, bro? Oh, that's right. None. You were an assistant. On a championship team As a head coach You haven't won a damn thing As a head coach You are limited offensively Your teams are limited As a head coach Your teams lose in the biggest moments But yeah Go ahead and keep telling me how great it is To be a Knicks fan right now When you have a team that's going to be a 6 or a 7 seed For the next 5 years Because they're playing the young
0: guys I like
2: the young players the Knicks have I do I do, but I've been a Knicks fan for over 45 years. And I know that the Knicks have never had a free agent come here and want to stay here. I know the Knicks have never had a free agent come here. Hell, stay here. They've never had a free agent come here. Not in their prime. And if you say, Allen Houston, I will come to your house and punch you in the face. Straight up and down. Okay? Allen Houston was not a prime free agent. He was a good free agent. He wasn't no prime one. The the Knicks will never have that because the Dolan family. Oh, and by the way, let me just get this out the way. James Dolan does not own the New York Knicks. The Dolan family owns the New York Knicks. James Dolan cannot sell the New York Knicks because the Dolan family owns the New York Knicks. Okay? So for all these people who say, we need James Dolan to sell, do your research before you run your mouth. He can't sell the team because his brothers and sisters and mom and dad and uncles and cousins and everybody who's got a piece of the damn team would all have to agree to sell the team. So he can't sell the team. And the Dolan family, as the noted columnist in New York Daily News and New York Post Dick Young said years and years and years and years and years and years, and years, and years ago, the Dolan family is only interested in making the playoffs getting that playoff money. They don't give a damn whether the Knicks win or not. So if you're a Knicks fan, you still talking about championships and the Dolan family still owns this team, either you don't know the team you're rooting for or you're willfully ignorant. Either way, I need you to shut up. All right. Now, let's get back to a couple things. There's some more people I wanted to recognize that left this year. Some of you guys may know, some that that, that you may not. Um, one of them is Emil Francis. Now this is the realm of hockey, great hockey player. Emil Francis, coach, player, general manager in the NHL, Ranger fan. I'm a Ranger fan, so I remember Emile Francis, huge part of my childhood. He was 95 years old when he passed. We got Charlie Taylor from the Washington Redskins who passed. Uh, Lionel Train James just one of the first really great little guys that played in the NFL that people knew about, Dick Versace or Richard Versace, um, head coach in the NBA a long time. Uh, he was the first NBA head coach of Puerto Rico descent, by the way. Um, and we had a lot of people that left us that left us honestly too young. Um, for those of you interested, Scott Hall, you know, Razor Ramon uh, passed away this year. And and one person I would like to, to spend a moment on John Clayton. You know, we look at these sports journalists these days, and the Adam Schefters and clowns like that, and we don't, you know, they don't take enough time to to recognize and, and and thank the John Clayton's of the world who made it possible for them to do what they do. John Clayton is a guy who, yeah, he was a football reporter, but if you were uh, if you're a sports fan. Um, You know the name John Clayton, you know, whether it be from those ESPN commercials, the fact that he was just little, like, nerdy-looking dude. I mean, little guy, nerdy, skinny, glasses, the whole thing. But he knew his stuff. And, you know, if you're in the sports, he made it seem so easy. Like, wow, man, I could probably do that. It's not that easy. Um, Count's a really good man. You know, huge Seahawks fan. And just really, just like I said, a great guy, um, great journalist. So, you know, John Clayton is a guy that, that I like to to remember and think about and, and talk about, you know, that past. And, you know, Daryl LaMonica, you know, from the old Raiders, AFL, NFL, you know, the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica, you know, um, let's see who else we got, who else we got, Bob Lanier. That a lot of people, a lot of people don't don't talk about Bob Lanier, you know, NBA center, fourteen years. Bob Lanier was I think maybe six seven, maybe six eight. He wasn't taller than that. Played fourteen seasons, one of the best centers in NBA history, and he went across the world serving as an NBA global global ambassador. Bob Lanier, great man, great player, great human being. Just wow, just so many people that we lost this this year. It's, it's, it's sad in some ways. And it's sad mainly because it's a piece of your childhood that's gone. You know, it's a, it's a piece of what made you a sports fan gone. It's, it's something that when you look at the foundation of why you love whatever sport it is you love, there's certain names that come up. And you're like, that's why I love sports. You know, Bill Russell, Bill Russell, I could do an entire show on Bill Russell. I could do an entire show on Bill Russell, the man, what he did for civil rights, what he did being a black man in Boston during the time that he played, the things that he had to endure. Bill Russell won 11 championships, 11. Stop telling me Michael Jordan is the greatest winner of all time. Bill Russell won 11 championships. One of them as a player coach in the city of Boston at a time when, when he left the arena, they would, they would have had no problem with killing him just for being black. Player coach in the city of Boston. Boston where it's hard being a black man on a regular day dealing with death threats. When he was playing for the team, people were still sending him racist hate mail and death threats while he was winning championships for them. That's not to speak what he what he did with his stance for civil rights. You know, there was the movie uh, that came out about the summit where he was there and Ali and Jabbar and all those guys. You want to talk about great people you want to want iconic figures you want to want people who have impacted not only sports but this world do your research look up bill russell don't look up his nba career look up his life do some research bill russell one of the greatest people that this world has ever seen ben scully ben scully 67 years as the voice of Los Angeles baseball, of, of Dodger baseball. I'm not going to say Los Angeles because he started in Brooklyn by the by. 67 years. Doing games by himself and anyone who's ever heard Vin Scully do a game was never bored, no matter how terrible the game was. The game could have been 15 to nothing against your team and it was the most entertaining game you've ever heard because of Vin Scully. You got all these, these newfangled Clowns, Mike K., Michael K., and all these terrible people doing baseball now who do nothing but complain about the game and how long the game is and how bored they're and how they're going to miss dinner reservations. This guy did games by himself for 67 years and never had a bad game. Never had a bad game. John McVay, most people think of John McVay, they think of the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to give you two things about John McVay that most people don't think about. There's a name for people that are in the football that they know. It's called Joe Pisarcik. Everybody knows Joe Pisarcik. Miracle of the metal lands, He fumbled the snap. Oh, he fumbled the handoff, actually. And Hermet was picked it up and ran it again. The Eagles won the game, thus the creation of the victory formation would anybody like to know who the coach of the New York Giants was on that fateful day? That was John McVay. John McVay was the coach of the New York Giants. So in reality, he's the reason Joe, Joe Posarczyk is infamous, because he made the play call. And then we also have the line, famous line. John McVeigh was also the head coach of the Tampa Buccaneers when they were terrible. And a reporter once asked him, they said, you know, they asked him, hey, can we talk about the execution of your team? Some of the team's execution as far as executing plays. And he said, execution? I'm for it. That's how bad his team was. All right. So that's just some of the people that we lost. There's just so, so many more. Ernie Shavers. Wow. (laughs) There's a a blaster pass. Ernie Shavers was a guy as a heavyweight boxer who nobody wanted to fight. This man would just, oof. Um, if you can look up some, some Ernie Shavers fights He was a monster In the ring He was a monster um, he, he, he put fear in everybody Including Muhammad Ali All right, Ali wanted no parts of Ernie Shavers No parts of him Ernie Shavers was that dude When it comes he was going to hurt you All right, He was going to hurt you uh, Ray Guy Great punter in the NFL Fred Hickman pioneer in broadcasting, in sports broadcasting. Um one of the first black faces that really got shine. You know I mean Erv Cross is a guy, but Fred Hickman really kind of was the first one to really blow up, blow up where everybody knew him. Then he went on the CNN. He kind of went he did so many other things besides sports, but Fred Hickman passed away this year. Uh just so wow there's just so many that have been lost this year and I I don't say lost but that that moved on um when we talk about tennis Nick Volocheri Nick Volocheri is the reason that baseball and basketball have academies because he started tennis academies he's the one who started those that that produced people like Andre Agassi and uh Martina Hingis Maria Sharapova things like that so so uh Nick Volocheri you know Paul Silas recently passed. His son is coaching the Houston Rockets. Um, Paul Silas was a beast as a player, beast. He played for the Celtics. You know, he won, um, what, two championships with the Celtics. He won one, say, you know, Supersonics, 11,000 points, 12,000 rebounds, one of the toughest men to ever play in the NBA. He was a coach. He was one of those coaches where I don't care how tough you thought you were, I don't care how bad you thought you were. I don't care how, many know, how much notoriety the ride you had. Paul Siles will still punch you in the face. they be like, shut up. <laughs> I'm the coach. you the player. Go sit down. So just a lot of people that impacted not just sports but life have, have uh, that we lost this year. And, again, to their family, to their friends, to people who remember them, to the fans remember them to the people who were there, part of their sports foundation um, our condolences and, and we remember them with you so let's move on to let's see let's talk some let's talk some NFL we got the Cowboys playing tonight they're playing the Tennessee Titans and the Tennessee Titans went from what is his name Ryan Tannehill to Joshua Dobbs. Pass passed right over Malik Willis cause Malik Willis isn't ready. Malik Willis, Willis isn't ready. And then with Joshua Dobbs, he signed off the, I think that Mike Vrabel <laughs> might be trying to get himself fired, people. I think Mike Vrabel might be trying to get himself fired because I don't understand how you drafted Malik Willis and you bring in somebody who was on somebody's practice squad eight days ago and you start him against the Dallas Cowboys. And guess what? It's a 0-0 zero, zero game in the first quarter because Dallas plays down to level their competition. I do believe that the Jaguars are going to win that division because, let's face it, if you go on to Joshua Dobbs as your quarterback, you are probably not going to win your division. But let's see uh, how good a coach Mike Vrabel is. Let's see if he can get this team to do something that most people aren't going to give them any chance to do, which is beat the Cowboys and and, and maybe make the playoffs. If they win the division, they make the playoffs. But their game against Jacksonville is coming up next week. That's going to be a really good game because Jacksonville has proven that coaching matters in the NFL with Doug Peterson and what they're doing. Um, I was never one who thought Trevor Lawrence was some all-generational bobbity boo I think he's a really good quarterback. He's very talented. I don't think he's head and shoulders above anybody else in his draft class. Well, some of them. But he's not head and shoulders above Justin Fields. I think if Justin Fields was in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson, they would be just as successful. And if Trevor Lawrence was in Chicago, they would be just as bad because coaching matters in the NFL. It really does. Because um, you know, all you have to do is look at the New York Jets. They drafted Zach Wilson. And listen, Zach Wilson never should have been drafted number two. At all. Justin Fields should be a New York Jet. But then you bring in a guy who, because his last name is LaFleur and his brother's a good head coach, hey, let's give him a job. Kind of like what happened with John Gruden and Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden got the job at Washington because of his brother. Jay Gruden was trash. He was a dumpster fire. Um, the the, the LaFleur in New York, I think it's Mike. He is not a good offensive coordinator. He's not. So that didn't help the fact that you brought in an immature quarterback in Zach Wilson who wasn't ready to be an NFL starter, and then you gave him an offensive coordinator who shouldn't have been an offensive coordinator. It didn't help. All it really did was kind of kind – of, it, it, it accelerated the process of Zach Wilson failing. I think Zach Wilson would have failed in four years. You made him fail in two. I'm putting that on the coaching. I'm putting – because better coaching staff probably could have maximized what he did well, minimized what he didn't do. And we'll go back to Mark Sanchez, with the New York Jets. What they did when Sanchez came out his first two years was they did – they maximized the things he did well, and they said, listen, this is all you have to do. Don't do anything else. They got to the, the AFC Championship game. Got the AFC Championship game. Made the playoffs both years. But the minute they said, okay, it's been two years, you should be able to do this on your own, then Sanchez got exposed, and we all found out that, yeah, he's just not that dude. So I blame the Jets coaching for not being able to maximize a kid with talent. Listen, you don't get drafted in the NFL if you don't have talent. You don't get drafted if you don't have talent. Just because you have talent doesn't mean you can play at that level. It requires you to be with the right team, right system, right coaching, a la Geno Smith. Geno Smith never should have been a starter in New York when he was. Never should have been a starter. But he was. And he failed miserably because he wasn't ready. Because they were asking him to do things. Geno Smith is not a mobile quarterback in the sense of he's a guy who likes to run. Geno Smith will move around to throw the ball down the field. He does not move around to run. Everybody says, Geno Smith's a mobile quarterback. Geno Smith is not a mobile quarterback. He's a quarterback who can be mobile. He is a pocket passer who can be mobile. The difference between that and a mobile quarterback, there is a difference. Now that he's in Seattle and they say to him, Gino, we don't need you to run, but every so often, all we want you to do is stay in the pocket and throw the ball down the field. Get it out of your hands. Get it to our skilled players. Gino's been successful. Coaching matters, people. Coaching matters, people. Coaching matters, people. And it will continue to matter. So when your team is terrible, a lot of Washington Redskins, and you're going through 17 quarterbacks, Ask Ron Rivera why he's only had three winning seasons as a head coach. Stop telling me it's Taylor Heineke's fault. Stop telling me it's Carson Wentz's fault. Stop telling me it's Dwayne Haskins' fault. Stop telling me it's whoever's fault. How about you start looking at the head coach? Okay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers suck this year. Why do they suck this year? Because Todd Bowles is their coach. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers look just like the Jets teams that Todd Bowles coached. They look exactly like them. Exactly them. Well, how can can that be? He's got Tom Brady and Mike Evans and this guy and this guy and this guy. His coaching matters. Because Todd Bowles is a terrible coach. I will always be for a black man in any sport because they're hard to get those, those gigs. But if you're a bad coach, if you look like me, I don't care if you Martian, green, blue, white. I don't care. You're a bad coach. You're a bad coach. Todd Bowles is a bad coach. Todd Bowles should never have been given that job. It should have gone to Byron Lethwich. And now you're seeing the results of Todd Bowles being a bad coach. Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator. He's not a good head coach. That's not a knock. It's okay to be good at this, but not at that. That's okay. Um, North Turner. North Turner was a terrible head coach, one of the greatest offensive minds that ever was on the side of us in the NFL. Terrible head coach, great offensive coordinator. So go be an offensive coordinator. Todd Bowles, go back to being a defensive coordinator. Stop trying to be a head coach, bro, because you're not good at it. Your team suck. You know, Steve Wilkes, Carolina. Steve Wilkes deserves to get that job. You tell me how the Carolina Panthers are in position to win their division when they went from, let's see, they went from Sam Darnold to I forget who to Baker Mayfield, and then back to I forget who, back to Sam Darnold. They've had, I think, well, there's three, three players, but they've had six different starting quarterbacks this season. Two for each guy, and you still have had a chance now, granted your division is terrible, and you're probably going to win it with a less than five hundred record, you're still going to win your division, you're still going to make the playoffs. Tell me why Steve wilkes shouldn't shouldn't have a job. you can't you can't, but it's okay for a guy like Jeff Saturday to get a job. It's okay for Josh McDaniels to keep getting jobs. Steve Wilkes, he can't get a job. All his teams do is play hard. All his teams do is play hard. And isn't that what you want? If you're a fan of a team, don't you want your team to look professional, look confident, and look like they care? That's what you got in Carolina. Your team is competent, they look professional, and they care. All you need is more talent. But they're going to go give it to some offensive assistant who Used to, you know, live next to Sean McVay, and he'll get a job. And in two seasons, like Nathaniel Hackett, he'll be fired. Because that's why Nathaniel Hackett got a job, because he was on this guy's staff, who was on the staff of this other guy, who's on the staff of this other guy. And what? So what? You know, he so he was coaching adjacent. To this great coach That makes him a great coach Is that how we're doing it now You just have to be Tangentially connected To somebody that was a good coach So now you can be a coach Okay If that's what we're doing That's what we're doing Okay But just be prepared For your team to be terrible Be prepared for your team To be terrible Cowboys up seven zip. By the way Let's see What else do we want to talk about Baseball Because you know I'm a baseball guy Let's talk some baseball we, told, we touched a little bit on the Carlos career thing. I kind of wanted to dig into that simply because I find it interesting that they keep trying to find a reason not to give this man a contract after they've given him a contract. So, yeah, but the medicals, but the medicals. If you don't think that these teams already have medical information on these players before they even try to sign them, then you're, then you're willfully ignorant. You're willfully ignorant. They, when the Twins had Cole's career, they had his medicals, and they wanted to re-sign him. And now suddenly, because the Giants don't want to say, well, maybe we shouldn't sign him, you already had his medicals. You watched some playoff season. What the hell are you doing about Now you have to rethink it. Now you're like, well, you know, I don't know because of his medicals. What the hell was your medical staff doing? And if it's true that there's some issue with his medicals, the Minnesota Twins need to fire your entire medical staff. You need to fire all of them. All of them. New York Mets, you need to fire your entire medical staff. All of them. Because it is impossible for me to believe that he played for the Twins last season. And the Twins – did full medical work him before they gave him that contract where he had opt-outs every year. And you you had no problems with his medicals, but not everyone else does. How does that work exactly? Or is Major League Baseball trying to cut down on these 10, 12-year contracts? Is Rob Manfred in the background orchestrating this? Is this blowback from Correa still being a cheater and never really Paul said, is this team's taking a pound of flesh? I don't know. Possible. I wouldn't put anything past these people. I wouldn't put anything past them. Because teams have a way of getting back at players they consider to be dirty players that have done something against the integrity of the game. They got a way of getting back at them. Because I don't understand it. Twins had them. The twins wanted them back. Nobody had a problem with his medicals until the Giants were about to, to, to go ahead and do it. And then suddenly, well, you know, this ankle injury he had 10 years ago. Said, yeah, but he hasn't. He's missed some games. He's never played 150 games. And none of it was because of his ankle. It's because of his back. Unless the ankle bone's connected to the spine, then okay. Otherwise, question what's going on there. Um, again as we said with Atlanta Alex Anthopoulos needs to get GM of the year every year from now until perpetuity this man has literally gotten every great player in his organization to take a below market deal every single contract that they have their best player signed to is a below market deal so either he and the agents are all in cahoots or he's a wizard He's walking their and casting spells. You shall not pass. $20 million. <laughs> I mean, listen, it kind of is what it is. But Alex Anthobos, what the Braves are doing is just tremendous. It's just tremendous. Um, so much respect for what they're doing. Being able to get these guys at under market value on long-term deals. It is what it is. The dude, the dude knows what he's doing. Um, there's quite a few franchises. Um, if I'm the Pittsburgh Pirates, if I'm the Baltimore Orioles, if I'm the Florida Marlins, I'm writing this through the blank check right now. Listen, how much do you want? You want you want a piece of the team? What do you want to come run our organization? Because you obviously know what the hell you're doing. Obviously know how to build a player development system. You obviously know how to get scouting done. And you obviously know how to get people at below-market deals. How much do you want? That would, that would be my only goal right now. If I'm running a team that's struggling, a team that wants to be on the come up, I'm going to get Alex I'm writing him a blank check straight up and down. Whatever you want, you can have as much control. I don't care. Just come to my organization. Just look at what he's done in Atlanta. How can you say no? You know, the, the antithesis, antithesis, of Anthopolis to me is Brian Cashman. I keep hearing how Brian Cashman is a great GM. Let's talk about the Yankees, shall we? Team near and dear to my heart. So Brian Cashman has had the title of GM for 25 years. And I keep hearing that he's responsible for five World Series. He's responsible for one. Four of those World Series were won with players acquired and developed by Gene Michael and Bob Watson, those teams. All Cashman had to do. Cashman was like a, a jockey you drop on a sea biscuit down the, the last 100 yards of the Kentucky Derby. You don't get credit for being a jockey when you only did 100 yards. Okay? All you had to do was hang on. And that's what Cashman did. Brian Cashman has developed two position players in 25 years that you would consider stars. Robinson Tano and Aaron Judge. Two. He's developed no pitching in twenty five years. None. Not one pitcher have they developed that has become a star, an ace. Not one. And and don't give me Louis Severino because Severino can't stay healthy. If you're never on the field I can't consider you a developed player. I can't consider you a star if you're never there. Okay. Oh, and by the way, Severino still hasn't figured out he needs to use his changeup more and stop trying to throw for miles an hour. So I question your player development. If being, being a great GM has more to do, it's more than just taking some below average reliever, Clay Holmes, and turning him into an all-star. What about players that are already star talent? Aren't you supposed to make them better? Esteban Florio. Everybody keeps talking about the Yankees left fielder. Esteban Florio has been in the Yankee organization since he was 16 years old. He's 24 or 5 now, maybe 26. So he's been there between 8 and 10 years in that organization. And they still keep saying, but he's not ready. So either your player development sucks or your scouting, your self-scouting sucks because you can't recognize that this dude is not good because he's still one of your top prospects. Think about that for a minute, people. Player in your system for 10 years, when you bring him up, you give him one or two at-bats, then you bury him, so he gets very sparse at bats and just and this is not me just, just saying this. Do your research. Go look at how many games he's played versus how many bats he's gotten. He's played three times as many games as he's gotten at bats. Well, how the hell do you know what you have if you never let him play? And if you never let him play, then I question your player development because you had him for eight years. After eight years, shouldn't you know what you have? After eight years, shouldn't he be able to play at the major league level, or should you not have traded him already? But Miguel Andujar should have been rookie of the year, and you DFA'd him, got nothing for him, when you could have traded him when his value was highest, but you held on to him because why? Because your internal self-scouting is trash. And I can go back years, I can go back to Java Chamberlain, I can go back to Phil Hughes, I can go back to Manuel Banuelos, Andrew Brackman, Dylan Batances, Ian Kennedy, Ted Lilly, Jorge Mateo. There is a laundry list of players that the New York Yankees have failed to develop that have left the New York Yankees and been successful in other places. So how is Brian Cashman a great GM? Oh, but his teams always make the playoffs Okay But if Your company's mission statement Is World Series or bust And you don't win the World Series Then is your season not a failure? And if your mission statement Isn't World Series or bust Then stop telling me That your mission statement is World Series or bust And then when you don't make the World Series Then tell me, well, we had a good season See, you can't have it both ways. You can't tell me that it's World Series or bust and then get mad at me when I say you didn't win a World Series, so it's a failure. You set the standard. You said it was World Series or bust, not me. You put my expectations there, and then you failed to meet my expectations, and now you're going to blame me for my expectations when you set them. It's not how it works. Now, if I said it's World Series of Bust, but they said, no, we just want to get to the ALCS, okay. I'm the one who's wrong. You know, if you tell me you're going to take the garbage out, and you don't take the garbage out, you don't get to get mad at me when I say you didn't take the garbage. You say, yeah, but I know I said I would take the garbage out, but at least I put the trash in the can. That's not what you said. You said you were going to take the garbage out. I didn't ask you whether you're going to put it in the can. I asked you whether you're going to take it out, and you said yes. You didn't. You failed. That is literally what's going on with the New York Yankees, you know. And now let's move across down to the New York Mets. Anybody, any Mets fan, first of all, that complains about his about the Mets this season, you need to be shot out of a cannon into the sun. Steve Cohen has literally spent $800 million on players to try to make that team better. You ain't got nothing to complain about. Now, if it don't work, it don't work. If you don't win a World Series, you don't win a World Series. But it won't be because your team didn't spend. It won't be because what we should have got. Who, who, who else should you have gotten? Who else should you have gotten? You got everybody. You got everybody. So I love what Steve Cohen is doing. I have no problem with it. I don't want to hear how Steinbrenner, any other owner of Major League Baseball, talk about, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't be spending that much money. Listen, if you can't afford to spend money on your sports franchise, you should not own a sports franchise. I don't want to hear about small market, big market, medium market. You knew... What the deal was when you bought this team? If you cannot afford to run your business, then sell your damn business. Well, Steve Cohen got so much money of those. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to. I don't want to hear from some owner who's only spent a hundred million dollars on his roster. Tell me that he can't afford. Then you should not own your team. If you cannot afford to spend on your business. You should not own your business. This is why so many businesses fail within the first three years. Because people can't afford to spend what they need to spend in order to make the business successful. Then then sell the business or give it. A, I don't care what you do, but you shouldn't own a business that you cannot afford to run. And you have too many owners in Major League Baseball crying poverty. you got too many owners in Major League Baseball saying they can't afford. Dude, you're a billionaire. Don't tell me what you can't afford. Don't tell me about the team losing money because here's the thing. Every professional sports franchise, if you just take the franchise by itself in a vacuum, okay, you take the cost of player salaries versus ticket sales. Every franchise loses money because you're not gonna sell enough tickets to meet your payroll. That's not where the money comes from. The money comes from merchandising and concessions and parking and the tax <clears throat> excuse me and the tax breaks that you get. Oh, and the T V contracts and double digit billions of dollars. And the revenue sharing. In most of the sports uh, Did I mention the tax breaks Did I mention the fact that a lot of these teams Don't pay city or state taxes these, Yet somehow These owners can't afford To do anything with the team Yet they're consistently Cashing checks For tens of millions of dollars Oh but the team's Losing money oh my god what i supposed to do Hey uh, did that check Did the check clear all right, did that revenue-sharing check for $30 million clear?
1: Ah, but I can't afford to get
2: anybody. Ah. Listen, miss me with all of that, okay? If you're not willing to spend you on your team, then sell the damn team. I don't want to hear about the markets you're in. Because I'm watching the San Diego Padres spend dollar after dollar after dollar after dollar. If the Padres can do it, the Pirates can do it. the Pirates can do it, the Orioles can do it. Okay? If the Orioles can do it, the Tigers can do it. The Tigers can do it, the Twins can do it. There is no salary cap in baseball. Spend that damn money. Spend that damn money. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Because the fact that fans continue to support billionaires over the employees who are the poor. Maybe it's because you're jealous of the players. Maybe it's because you think, man, if I hadn't blown my knee out in middle school, No, dude, you were never going to be a professional ball player. All right? Get over it. I don't care that you peaked in high school. You were never going to make it. So stop being jealous. Stop talking about Will. We paying. You ain't paying. None of these players, nothing. You know, when I buy tickets to a game, that's paying it. No, it's not. That salary don't come from no damn ticket sales. Salary comes from the TV contracts. Salary comes from the TV contracts. The salary comes from the TV contracts. Your money doesn't mean nothing to that player's salary. Nothing. So stop it. Just stop. Just stop. Stop being jealous. Stop hating. Start looking at the fact that these owners are putting money in their pocket and not putting a competitive product on the field. And start directing your angst and your ire and your anger where it belongs at these owners. Stop telling me about some GM like Kim Ng. Oh, the GM ain't doing this, they ain't doing that. That's because the owners won't let her. GMs don't control finances. Spend what they're allowed to spend. Okay? Now, do all the suggestions follow? yes. Can they pick bad players? Absolutely. But when it comes to spending money, they're given, this is what you can spend. Spend it wisely. Okay? The Florida Marlins have always been a team where the ownership did not want to spend money. Stop telling me Kim Ng doesn't know what the hell she's doing. Kim Ng is one of the smartest baseball people going. She's working for a franchise that don't want to spend money. So how in the hell is she supposed to sign any free agents when ownership won't let her? Now, she's not going to say that, but those are the facts. Much as I hate Brian Cashman for his, for his player development and for him getting credit for being a good GM when he's not, I'm going to tell you this. He's not the reason the Yankees aren't spending money properly. The reason they aren't spending money properly is because of Hal Steinbrenner. Hal Steinbrenner wants a team that's good enough to make the ALCS. If they win a the World Series, great. He don't care about that. He wants three million fans coming through the turnstiles. He wants to be on national TV games, and he wants to turn a profit. And as long as that happens, Hal Steinbrenner is fine with not winning the World Series. So stop telling me that Brian Cashman is the reason that you didn't go out and sign X player. That's because Hal Steinbrenner has decided that he's not going to spend what it takes to win, unlike Steve Cohen. So I want to thank everybody uh, that listened to the show, that came to the show, that tuned in to the show. I want to thank Mike for showing up. Uh, Barry, Ty, I know you all out there listening. Um, I want to thank everybody just for giving me this opportunity to just rant about craziness in sports because it's all I got besides my dog. You know, I like to talk about my dog. I like to talk sports. I like to watch sports, live sports, breathe sports, eat sports. But I really want to thank you guys. I hope everybody had a good holiday, whether it's a happy Hanukkah, happy Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa. If you don't celebrate any of those, just I hope you enjoyed spending time with your loved ones, eating some food and just having some 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 connections and for those of us who don't have connection, with those of us who spend this time of year and things aren't great, nine eight eight. And I'm speaking to veterans right now, but just for everybody, I'm speaking to veterans. Um, you know they call the crisis line. Crisis doesn't mean you're standing on the rooftop ledge with your feet over the edge about to jump. Crisis doesn't mean you're about to, you're about to pull the trigger. Crisis means crisis. It means. If you're in recovery, you think about calling your dealer or taking that drink or taking that pill when you don't have to, and and you've made your 12-step calls, but there's nobody picking up, which happens, you can call this crisis line and have somebody to talk to. 988, option one for veterans, 988. If you're not a veteran, crisis doesn't mean that you're in imminent danger. It means that you need someone to talk to at that moment. Your feelings are valid. They are not facts. Do not let your feelings become facts. Do not let them rule you. Being alone doesn't mean you have to be lonely. All it means is we got to do something better about making connections. So thanks, everybody. Once again, my name is Chandler. To the show, have a, a good rest of the holidays. Have a great New Year. And we are going to take this out. Sports
0: City, Sports City Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City Chefs. Kaboom. Sports City Chefs is in the room. Cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune. blown like a flower in June. Superman verse and doom. The clouds loom. To tell a friend it's the Sports City. Pay attention, tune in, we on to set again. Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef. Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef. Yeah. Cabin. Touch. <laughs> Woo! Connecticut.
1: Uh.